Have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of St. John. <clears throat> We're in chapter 20. We're going to be getting through with this pretty soon, aren't we? Uh, chapter 20. Uh, we we uh, stopped at verse 19, so that's where we'll start off tonight. And uh, we, we left off last week that, uh, you know, the, the Gospels tell us that very early in the morning, before it, while it was still dark, those women uh, went uh, up to the tomb and uh, found that it was empty. So uh, they had already, Mary Magdalene had already encountered Jesus. She thought he was the gardener. And, uh, and he, he spoke to her and called her by name and she, she knew, recognized who he was. And uh, she came back and told the other disciples uh, that, that, that she had seen him and had spoken to him. And so that's where we left off. So if I get somebody to read for me verses 19 through 23, please. Did the same day and evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever <coughs> sins ye retain, they are retained. Okay. Uh, so when we look at this, you, you, you see, you know, a lot happened on this day. Can you imagine what it was like for them processing what they had to process that day? I had started so early in the morning, and it just went seemingly downhill from there until. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Mind doing it out in the truck. <laughs> well, everybody's doing it in the truck. Yeah, yeah. I, I was trying to take a nap today, and mine went off, and I was jumping about that high before you get it turned off. Yeah, so that's not the first one today. I meant to hit the do not disturb. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they have had quite a day this day, and, and their world is basically turned completely upside down, and. Christ had appeared to Mary Magdalene, and one of the other Gospels also says that uh, they had uh, appeared to the guys on the road to Emmaus, uh, that he had appeared unto them, and it's it's evening time, and uh, it, but it is the same day. This is the same day, and uh, they said it says here that they had the doors shut where the disciples were assembled for the, they feared that the Jews would come and and take them because they had, had followed Jesus. And so you can you can almost uh, be assured you know when when uh, when they arrested Peter the time that time and the angel broke him out of jail I remember that <laughs> remember he had to go where they were gathered he knew where they were gathered and he couldn't get in he had to be let in mm -hmm. and and uh, so that's what they were doing they they had themselves shut up because they they still thought and feared for their lives that uh, that they were uh, going to be killed that day now I I've never been afraid like that have you have you ever been afraid in your house like that have you well you know what they're going through they're afraid their hearts are pounding that their imaginations are running wild every noise they hear outside they think it's the troops coming to get them you know and the Bible don't say that but it's just human nature that's the way we are and, and they were in fear and they were behind closed doors and, uh, and they were together. That's the main thing, that they were together. You know what? Fear is not so spooky if there's others with you in it. And it's, it's more spooky when there's, there's not very many, but they were together. And that's what we have to remember to do as a church. As a church, we have to remember, always remember that, no matter what goes on. And we need to stay together. We need to stay together. And it's hard, it's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? It's very hard to do sometimes. But that, that was the first thing they did when Jesus was, was crucified is they assembled together. Not all of them, because we're going to see in a minute that Thomas wasn't there. Uh, but So they were assembled, and they had the door shut, they had the door locked, and Jesus came and stood in their midst. And we talked about this in Revelation, and, and we, we, we talked about when, when the Lord calls us into glory, when we go to be with Jesus, Paul tells us that we're going to be changed. 
And Jesus, when he resurrected, and he died as a man, when he resurrected, he was no longer that same man. Okay? He had changed. And we've talked about this before, where the laws of physics, the laws of gravity, none of those laws have any effect on him anymore. He can still walk on this planet, but the laws of gravity don't hold him there. Okay? And, and so the laws of physics, locked doors, walls. Now you say, was he a ghost? No, he was not a ghost. He was not a ghost. He was not a ghost. And they, they thought he was. And, and it scares them because he appeared the way he did. And so he just shows up in the room. Now the thing that's interesting to me is the first thing he says to them. What does he say to them first? Peace, peace be unto you. Peace, peace be unto you. How come he said that? He knew they were afraid. And he knew when he showed up, it was going to freak them out. Would it you? Yeah. It would me. And so the first thing he wanted to do was tell them it's okay. Don't, don't be afraid. Peace. He's the prince of peace. You know that, don't you? And he don't say, it was so shocking to them. He don't just say it once in this few verses. He says it to them twice. Because it freaks them out. And, uh, and, and like it would anybody. And, and if you'll remember, every time one of the angels came and, and spoke to someone like they did Mary, remember what they said, the angel said to her right off the bat? Peace. Be not afraid. Be not Fear afraid. not. Don't be afraid of me. And so that's the way, the way the Lord, the Lord does, you know, we talk about that we need to fear the Lord. The scripture actually says that, says that. But when he's present with us and he, he tells us to not be afraid, we need to believe him. Don't you, don't you think? Now, now, here's the interesting thing to me. Although he showed himself to them, he said, peace be still, that wasn't going to keep them from having to go through stuff. Right. We're going to have to keep them from suffering. Now, all that's still coming to them. And, and so uh, you have to do a little research, and you can see what a lot of them, what, uh, what history tells or, or, or what they believe happened to, to these disciples, and, it's, and none of it good except for John, and he was persecuted the whole time, and he said, peace be still. And when he when he said this, what the first thing he did when he said that to him? Okay, now, the Bible tells us that we're going to be changed and we're going to be made whole, we're going to have a glorified body. Jesus had a glorified body, but he also still had those scars, didn't he? Mm -hmm. And we got that song that I love. Scars in heaven. Scars in heaven. When, uh, when we were studying Revelation and John saw him the first time, he saw him as a glowing, intimidating figure. He, he, he talked about how brilliant he was and what his eyes looked like and he described what he was wearing. And it was such an impact on John when he turned and looked at him, he fell on his face before him. Remember that? And Jesus put his right hand on him and told him, don't be afraid, get up. And told him who he was. But the next time John saw him, what did he look like? Anybody remember? He looked like a slaughtered lamb. He looked like a slaughtered lamb. That's what he looked like. That's the way he described him, a lamb that had been slaughtered, that he saw standing in at the throne, or in the throne. And so when he showed him his hands and his side, that says, then what happens? Their, their fear and their sorrow turns into gladness. Amen? I don't know about y'all, but when I'm in God's presence, I'm glad. Aren't you? And you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes when I'm in His presence, I'm not in the best of situations. Sometimes I may have even done wrong. Now, I don't know about the rest of you, but that's one of my favorite things about the Lord. Has promised us to never leave us or forsake us, and He don't. He don't. Now, sometimes because of our sin, we don't feel Him. Sometimes because of our sin, we can't reach Him. But it's not because He's moved away. It's because we've allowed ourselves to move away from Him, and that sin has separated us from Him. Sin, separation of sin does not mean that he leaves you and, and, and you go you can go to hell and you lose. That's not what it's talking about. 
And, and, and it's described very good in the Old Testament what happens the Lord turns from us. Turns away from us. But He can still hear us. And He's hearing, He's listening to the repentance that, that we have. And if we can ever just get it down in our heart how important repentance is for our souls and our hearts. And it, it, I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't like repenting. Do you? You know why? That means I've done something wrong. I don't like to do wrong, but we all do, don't we? I can tell I got a dog, a grand dog at the house. And me and her got pretty tight the last few, a couple of months, or actually a year. And uh, I can tell when she's done wrong. I can walk outside, and if she hadn't done anything wrong, she's doing cartwheels and jumping up and down and doing all this stuff. But if she's done something wrong and I walk outside, she goes, Oh man, what's she done now? And, but we're like that too, aren't we? We're like that too. Well, the thing about repentance is God has provided that for us. He's provided us repentance. And He has told us we need to do that. Amen. He, he tells us, repent. You know, the sermon last Sunday morning was remember, repent, and return. That's always God. God is, Jesus Christ came to reconcile a lost world back to the Father. He came for that purpose. He left us that same spirit, the spirit of reconciliation, Paul calls it. And he went so far to say, we, not only did he call us but in the spirit of reconciliation, he has made us ambassadors for him, that we can help others find him. And I, I work sometimes in not just helping people get saved, it's helping a backslider come back and learn this lesson, okay? And so we have to be careful that uh, that we we might condition ourselves. Is it easy? No, it's not. It's not even easy in the church with brothers and sisters. I mean, you can have a knockdown drive guy. It ain't easy, but it's necessary, and it's what God says do. So that ought to always be what we want, is reconciliation. We want people to stay. We want people to, to come back into the fold. We want people to turn back to Christ. And, and I hope and pray that we can accomplish those things. Sometimes you don't. <clears throat> Amen? Amen. Sometimes it don't work. But you got to try. You do. Because, and why, why don't it work sometimes? Opportunity. <coughs> Because it's up to an individual to do it. It's up to an individual to do it. It's, it's up to us to try, and it's up to us, if it's, if it's us they're working on, to say, I hear you, I believe you, and I want to do that. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes a person, who said hard-hearted? Sometimes hard-heartedness kicks in stubbornness and pride kicks in and I'm not yielding to them. Mm -hmm. And in reality, are they yielding to us? No. Or they Humble yield to God? Sir? Humbleness has got to get in there somewhere. God loves a humble man. If, if, you, if you can't humble yourself to reason out the problem and who needs to go who and talk it out, well then you, the humble just went neutral. And the clutch is in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. The Bible tells us that, doesn't it? And so it, it means just that. Welcome here. Thank you for being here. And, uh, and so uh, we, have to, we have to learn that. And sometimes it, it's up, it, it, that is all left up to us. God does not make us do things. He put us in a situation we'll scream out to him like he did Jonah. Amen. You know, he didn't make Jonah go to Nineveh. He made Jonah want to go to Nineveh, though. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Because Nineveh was a lot better than where he was at. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, that's uh, you gotta you gotta remember that. Hey, God's purpose is to is to have us come together and stay together and work for him in peace. And that's why he said to them. Uh, that uh, he said, peace be unto you. And, and so they were glad when they saw the Lord. And then Jesus said unto him, uh, he said unto them again, peace unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. 
So he, he comes to them the first time he's with the group and he tells them their mission. He said, I have been sent and I'm going to send you. Okay? Now, are we all sent? Yes. We're all ministers. We're all called into ministry. But now, when he says sent, you think you got to go somewhere. That's not necessary. You know where the world is? Right around us. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> it's all around us. You know, that's when we have those signs out there at both driveways that you're entering the mission field. Okay? The mission field is there. We're sent to Atlanta. We're sent to just wherever. Now, there's some people who are sent overseas. Now, these apostles were sent with a special mission because they were the first ones who understood uh, we're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost world. Did they do a good job? Yeah. <laughs> they did. I'm here to tell you. They did a good job, didn't they? And, and so uh, they did a fantastic job, as a matter of fact. Did they have trouble doing it? Sure they did. Sure they did. I'm all the way from Atlanta. Okay. Four-hour <laughs> four drive. Are you headed out? Yes. I was. Thank you. Are you the pastor? No. My the card on there, uh, Brother Dale Littleton. Uh huh. He's my pastor from down there. Okay. So I wanted to give y'all an information card and let y'all know. Okay. Thank you. He's sent. That's what it means. He's sent. He sent to deliver a message, and he did. And uh, should have got here a little earlier, but he was sent anyway. And so he said, I want, I, I want you to know that as I was sent to you, I want to send you to this world. I want to, now, at, at this moment, because it's not the time of the Gentiles yet, it, 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 he's sending them into Israel. That's where he's sending them. And it was going to very quickly turn in to he's going to be, they're going to be sent to the Gentiles. That's what Paul was called for, was all that stuff, to he's the missionary to the Gentiles. And so that was the purpose and the plan for the Lord calling him. And so we need to know that we are sent. We are sent. Are we apostles? No. Are we, but we are all disciples. Amen? And we are disciples of Jesus Christ. Disciples means we are followers of him and we believe in him. So that's what we all are. Every one of us. And so they do give different listings like the bishop and the deacon. and the, the, you know, It's not a separation. It's, a, it's, a, it's an office that's, that's in the church. And so, but we're all disciples. We're all the same. We all serve the same Lord. We all uh, have to repent. We all have to do all of these things. We all do, and we all have to pray. Now, I want to I want to get y'all's opinion on this, on verse twenty-two. Now, when Jesus had spoken to them, what did he do next? He breathed on them. He breathed on them. That's, that's important. He breathed on them, and then what did he say? Receive the Holy Ghost. Receive you the Holy Ghost. Do you think? that that was the moment that they received the Holy Ghost? He breathed on them, but I don't think they received the Holy Ghost at this moment. Although that's what he said. Because he's going to instruct them later on to go into Jerusalem until they be empowered. empowered. Until that, no, he said to receive the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Ghost. And I think that is his solidification that they need to understand that that's, this is what they have to have. But that's what he says. And he says, when he said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. And then he tells them what the power, some of the power that the Holy Ghost is going to have on them. Okay? Well, if, if you believe that, then they had to get saved twice. Every one of these people right here received the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. They were all in that upper room. Sometimes I think that 
And I'm not, I don't know. I really don't. I'm interested in what you think. But sometimes you have to be refilled. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. Okay, now Thomas was absent. He's not there. But he did receive the Holy Ghost. Yes, he did. So evidently it happened after that. It, it did. It did, for sure. I kind of feel like it was, on the day of Pentecost, it was, a, it was just uh, affirmed, to, to affirm them, this, this is the power that you have. I don't really know anybody that, that really believes that. Well, I mean, I mean, I'm like her, you receive the Holy Spirit. I mean, the Spirit is yeah, you, something you just... You can be filled multiple yes. times. But, but he used such odd language here, it's hard to tell. He said, receive you the Holy Ghost. How odd is that? Well, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. And most of the time in the scripture it says, be ye filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, receive you the Holy Ghost. And I, I don't really know all I, I you know, I, I didn't, you can get so many different ideas about this. Acts chapter 2. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as the rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as the fire, and it sat upon the earth, each of them. Mm -hmm. That was the reference scripture that I have to what to that verse that we were. Yeah. I, and, and to me, that's what he was telling them. You're going to have to have this. Receive you the Holy Ghost. That's what he was saying. It, it's you know, it's sort of like I would tell you, you know, go here and, and get this. Go receive this. And but I'm not positive that's what it means. He because see, the Old Testament refers to the Holy Spirit too. And 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 we said read in, uh, in I think it's First Peter I think where he says that the the, the prophets of old were filled with the Holy Spirit. What he says. He says that. But a lot of times in the Old Testament when it references the Holy Spirit it says that the Spirit came up on them. Don't say it enters them. And Jesus stressed that when he was teaching in this very book we've been studying about the Holy Ghost that he, he stressed that he will be in you. And he went on to say when he enters you and he's in you, I will be in you and my Father will be in you and you will be in us. That was the completion of that. Now, what he means right here, they're going to have to, they're going to have to man up. They're going to have to get excited. But if you remember, he, he stayed with them 40 days. This, this, he stays with them 40 days. And before he leaves and he, he, he ascends, the angel tells them to go into Jerusalem where he told them to go. And that's what they did. So he's explained to them what they have to do to get this. Sam, what do you think about this? I see you digging in your scripture. Well, you know, what you was reading about over in Acts chapter 2 a while ago, <clears throat> verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, when a person is saved, he's been baptized, he's been baptized in the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. <coughs> now, a person gets up in the morning, maybe read the Bible, pray, study, <coughs> ask the Lord to give him strength to live for him that day, be a witness for him, and all that stuff like that. And everything's good between him and the Lord at the present time, whenever he leaves the house. But as things go, as things go through the day, there may be things come against him, and he may, he may get mad, lose his temper, or just different things come up <coughs> that will interfere with uh, his relationship to the Lord. He's not as close to the Lord as whenever he left the house that morning, and he hadn't lose lost his salvation or anything like that. But like you said, there's. What is that verse? Be not drunk with wine, for it is filled with the Spirit. With the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit. And that feeling, it's a day by day thing, hour by hour thing, being led by the Spirit of God. And we're not always in that position. I mean, we may, we may try to do things that's right 
because what we understand, yet we're not always, we do still make mistakes, and we do say things, we do get involved in things, but we're not losing our salvation. We need to come back to the Lord, acknowledge our transgressions, our shortcomings, our failures, and let the Lord fill us again. Mm -hmm. Now, I know here in Acts 2, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost. So I don't really know. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think any of us can really know because in Acts chapter 2 is a reference to back in Joel where the promise of the Father was poured out upon all flesh. But I still think at this moment when he breathed on them, because I think that's significant, it was the breath of God that breathed on them. Just like God breathed life into the first man, Adam, when he breathed life into him, and, and he received a spirit. He received his spirit, his soul. And, and it doesn't mean that God filled him with the Holy Spirit. It means that he became a living, breathing soul when God breathed in, in, in his nostrils. He blew the breath of life into his nostrils. And, and I think this is, this is a reference to, to the, the, the breath of, of God that's given to them that they can receive the Holy Ghost, that they're assured of receiving the Holy Ghost, that he has chosen them, that they're going to be the catalyst to receive this promise of the Father. And he's talking to them about that. Can we look at it in this light that he breathed on them and basically gave them their marching orders? He did. Yes, he did. And not only did he give them their marching orders, he gave them their mission. And part of their mission and part of the authority that they're fixing to have because he has given them the Holy Ghost. And, and not because, because he's sending them out. He's given them this authority. You know, remember, he, he, he gave them some tests early. Remember how he sent them out two by two and told them what to do? He said, don't carry a purse, don't carry anything, just carry the clothes on your back, you go into the city. And he told them what to do. He gave them power over, over sickness. He gave them power to cast out demons. He gave them that power, but guess what? It was only temporary for them. Because mm -hmm. when they tried it later on, they didn't have it no more. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is what I think we have to, to, to look at here when he did this. And then he went on to say, whosoever sins, he's talking about anybody else, you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, thou retain. Now, do we... Do we have the power as men, as men, as people, to cleanse sin? That's a trick question. It really is, doesn't it? We have the power to forgive, but we don't have the power to cleanse. Why? There's only one thing that will cleanse for sin. The blood. Only one. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So he, he's telling them that, you know, Jesus, when, when he healed people every once in a while, he said, the, you remember the man they let down through the roof? Remember what Jesus said to him that just threw everybody into a friend, you went crazy? He said, thy sins are forgiven. That was the first thing he said to that guy. And boy, those Pharisees that was in that room had them a hissy fit. Who do you think you are that you think you can forgive sins? Well, they're not talking about saying I'm sorry. They're talking about cleansing of sin. Taking away sin. Okay? And so the scripture uses that two different ways. And so when you look at these things, he says, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them unto them, okay? And so so they are given the authority to, to see sin, recognize sin, and point out sin. Okay? It, they remit that sin to that person. They don't say it, they say it. Anyway, this, this stuff right here can get too deep for my little Arkansas brain. Yes, sir? Back there in verse 22, I know you've already moved on, back there in verse 22, he breathed on and said, Receive you the Holy Ghost. Didn't David on one occasion ask the Lord not to take his Holy Spirit from him? 
Yes. In Psalms, he said, take not thy spirit from me. He did. I don't know. Well, that's what I'm talking about. Like Samson. The Bible says Samson, it, it makes a remark about Samson. It said he wished not that the Holy Spirit had departed from him. And that's what I'm saying. There's, Jesus stressed that that spirit was not didn't come upon us. It went within us. And that's the distinction in the, in the Old Testament in the New Testament, where the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came, you know, the Bible says when Samson got ready, to, God got ready to use Samson. Man, he was such a vile guy. He, Samson wasn't a good guy. But the Bible said he was a judge, and God had chosen him to be this judge. He gave it to him before he was ever born. And yet, the Bible says that, that when the Lord got to move, the Spirit would come upon him, is the way it would say it. And then when he told the, the thing to Delilah that he was never supposed to tell, the Bible says he wished not that the Spirit had departed from him. And so his great strength came from the Holy Spirit. It didn't come from anything else. The hair was just symbolic of all that. And his what his, had happened to his heart was symbolic of his failure. And so uh, things are, are changing because in that day they still had to make atonement, atoning sacrifices by blood of bulls and goats. Well, what would happen in the meantime? I mean, if, they, if it wasn't, you know, we studied that and we, we when we were doing the uh, in Leviticus about the the uh, all the sacrifices that they, and, and I got to count them things up, man, it was amazing how many animals they had to kill every month. And they had to kill, they had daily sacrifices, they had weekly sacrifices, they had monthly sacrifices, they had they had sacrifices they had to do two or three times, quarterly sacrifices, if you will, and then they had annual sacrifices. And all of those sacrifices, like the daily, never stopped. I don't care what they were doing, else they were doing that. That was a daily sacrifice. It had to be done regardless of what other sacrifices they were making. And so, yes, sir? Uh, now, the church was a mystery, you know, yes. in days past. And now that the church age is here, you know, Jesus made the statement, you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. But the church was a mystery in days past. Yes. And now that the church age is here, I mean, it's a dis different dispensation. It's a different uh, dispensation. That, there's some, I mean, there's things I don't really understand, don't know. But I know a person's got to be saved. Yeah, yeah. A person's got to be saved, and they got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what salvation is. And, you know, we always talk about salvation is in the heart. We're not talking about discomfort. Okay? That, that's not what we're talking about. The, the salvation is in your soul. It's a, it's a uniting of your soul with the Spirit of God. That's what it's, it is. That's why the, Paul says that our spirit must agree with the Holy Spirit. Those spirits must agree. So when you're saved, that's what's happened. There's a, there, he comes into you, and you you are well aware. And, and, and I'm talking to the choir right here because y'all all know what conviction feels like. Mm -hmm. You you know what what joy in the Lord feels like. Mm -hmm. You do. You know what being forgiven feels like. You know those things. Mm -hmm. And so you know what I'm talking about. That comes from within you through the Holy Spirit. Okay. That's not something that just comes to you. It's in you. And that's, that's what we got to remember. And that's what's fixing to change about all this. And that's why Jesus specified. And, and I can't say he didn't give them the Holy Ghost right there. I can't say that. But I do know that it is not the completion of that. I know that because that time, when the, the, because the scripture makes a remark when the day of Pentecost was fully come. That was the time that the prophet Joel's prophecy of the outpouring of the promise of the Father was fixing to happen and that was the beginning of all of it. They weren't allowed to even start a church. They weren't allowed to even preach in Jesus' name or nothing until that time. Remember that. Remember what we said here the other day? They had a business meeting while they were waiting on, on the Lord. They did. They elected somebody to take Judas Iscariot's place. Okay. Anyway, so you know. I'm sitting here thinking. Uh oh, we're in trouble now, y'all. 
you know, these, these disciples have gone through a lot this week. They saw what their Savior went through. And it's like, it was, it was a horrible death, a horrible, horrible death for them to, to witness. I mean, not, not, you know, you have loved ones that die, but to witness their brutal death like he died, they were at their lowest of lows. And not only were they in this room and they were low spiritually, because they lost their savior, they feared for their lives, they feared for their loved ones. So they were at a low, dark spot in their life. And then Jesus appeared, and it's like a breath of fresh air when he breathed on them. And he lifted them up with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what it is. I don't think we can call it their the finality of their salvation. <coughs> and that, that's what we're what I kind of believe too, that they, he did lift them up and take that yes. fear from them. He had to, because they were, um, it's, I mean, we've got relatives that can come in a room and just light up the whole room. And, and you got something to put all lights out too. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, you know, that's, you know. You might have to edit this, Jeremiah. <laughs> somebody and by the time you get through you feel better and I think that's what the Lord done he saw their position he did do yes. that that's exactly what he did and because they were glad when they saw him and then uh, then uh, he, he gives them what 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 it is that, that they are to do and, and I want to stress this about the, the sin because uh, the the cleansing of the sin only only comes through uh, the the blood of Christ. And, uh, you know, if we can look over here in Mark, Mark chapter 2. If I can get to it time. I usually got these scriptures marked, but I don't have to mark this time. Uh, 1 through 11, where it says, again, the, uh, uh, again, he entered into Capernaum in some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And, uh, well, I don't need to read all that. But in verse 5, this is where they let that man down in the house. And he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning with their hearts, Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Were they correct when they said that? Yes. Yes. They knew what they were talking about. The problem was they didn't believe he was God. And that's why he told them what he did. Don't think about this. They were absolutely correct. And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why are you reasoning these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to this sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins, he, had to, he, he said to the one sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And so he showed them that he did have that power to do that. And not only that, at his death, when he took his, you know, we talked about this last week too when we talked about Mary Magdalene and why he didn't want him to touch him. And, and I told y'all that, that I firmly believe that Jesus Christ entered to the heavenly <coughs> temple and he purged that temple like they did in the Old Testament. He purged that temple with his own blood. He carried his own blood in there and he purged everything in that place and, and that was his final act of making, of making himself uh, the fullness of the Godhead. And that all sins and all power and all authority was given to him. He cleansed that temple with his own blood as the, as the, as the sacrificial lamb of God. That's what he did. And, and, and I'll always believe that. And so now he's telling them, he said, you can remit, you can remit these things. You know, he told them uh, another place, that whatsoever you uh, bind in uh, earth will be bound in heaven, whatsoever you loose in earth will be loosed in heaven. He gave them great authority, but he gives it to his apostles. Okay? He gives it to his apostles. So he gives it to them. Any more questions about this? And, and while we're on this subject of forgiveness, uh, we, need to, we need to remember something else. 
the forgiveness is one of the most important uh, things that we can do. That we we forgive uh, uh, because uh, Jesus not only taught that we need to forgive, that He would forgive our sins, but He says in Matthew chapter six, verse fourteen, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. What He says. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you. That's pretty strong stuff right there. Amen? It's important that we, that's how important forgiveness is uh, to, to Jesus Christ and for us. Because why would he say that, do you think? Because he wants us to go to heaven and he wants us to learn to forgive one another. Because he knows if we can't forgive one another, we can't never get along. Amen? You can't. If you can't forgive one another, you can't get along with one another. Because you keep bringing up the past, drudging the past up. Drudging. He wants us to move on, not drudge up. And a lot of people have issues with that. Can't leave it. Can't let. They can't leave that dead dog buried. They can't do it. They'll dig him up. Then don't do them but stink. Got to get over. Get on. Get get over. Get on. That's what. That's what the Lord's telling us to do. Now sometimes does it take a little while? Yeah. Yep. But we still have to do that. And okay. Every time you remember it, you got to you got to forgive them again. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> <clears throat> I didn't know you was listening. No. <laughs> I'm kind of like a little kid. I, I just pick up things. <laughs> Let, let's go ahead and, and get the rest of this chapter done. Somebody read for me verses 24 through 31, please. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days again, the disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. <laughs> That's cool, isn't it? Now, Thomas was not there on what we just got through discussing in verses 19 through 23. Thomas was elsewhere. We don't know where, so don't ask me. I don't have a clue where Thomas was at, but he wasn't with them. And so, you know, and, uh, I'm not even going to try to pretend I even have a clue where Thomas was, but he was not with them. And when he came back, he couldn't understand why they were so overjoyed, why they were so glad. And, and you know, it, 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 it kind of dumbfounds me because they tell him what they have witnessed, what they have seen. He's heard what had happened with Mary. He's heard about the angels. They don't tell us anything. They've told him all this. They're excited. And what does he do? <laughs> I see that I ain't believing. He don't believe them. Yeah. Does it frustrate you when you tell somebody the truth and they don't believe you? Mm -hmm. We must have been from Missouri. <coughs> Missouri, the show me state? Yeah. But you don't think about that. <coughs> there, there's a lot of people that you can tell them the absolute and don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes you're that way. <laughs> Just with you. <laughs> uh, now, I guess we're all that way in yeah. a, little, a little bit. Yeah. But, but you know, it's, it's offensive to a person that's telling you something and you sound believe that. Well, this day and time, you've got your truth and I've got my truth. Yeah, that's, that's right. 
Yeah. Everybody's got a truth, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Yeah. There's not one truth. But <laughs> evidently, it was kind of that way back then. He didn't believe them. Now, now he knew what they'd been going through. He saw the sadness. He, he experienced everything they did. And something had changed them that hadn't affected him yet. And you know what it was, didn't you? He hadn't seen him yet. Hadn't seen him. Hadn't seen him yet. And so you can, and he got a title. Well, just or not, he got a title out of this. What is it? Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. When you talk about Doubting Thomas, anybody knows anything about the scripture at all, knows who you're talking about why. He didn't believe that Jesus had risen. He did not believe uh, the, his, uh, the other apostles. He did not believe them. And so he made a bold statement. Now remember when Jesus entered into that room, he already understand what, that they were going to need some proof, didn't he? And that's why he walked up to them and, said, and held out his hand. <laughs> Look guys, it's, it's me. It's really me. And you know what the amazing thing about this to me? is they had walked with him when he looked like Jesus, normal. But they didn't see it. He didn't look that way anymore. Like, have you ever thought about that? that, that when, he, when he appeared into that room, you, they would have thought, hey, we, that's him. They didn't. They glorified. Think about that. He didn't look the same. The same thing when they were out there fishing in the boat. He was standing on the shore. They didn't know who he was. They still didn't know who he was, did they? Well, he was carrying the sins of the world. And, and thing. He, he took the blood to the Father. And when he come, it's not being saved. People know there's something different about you. you they're supposed to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah they're supposed to. And so. Uh, Thomas made remark, he, he, and they said, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Except I see his hands in the print of the nails, and put my finger in the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. I will not believe. That's a sad state to be in, isn't it? That you won't you know, and that's why Jesus said the things that he did to Thomas and the things he says to us in, this, in the book here uh, that so we would know how important it is that we have faith because Thomas' was faith was gone. It was pretty much washed out. You remember once before they had asked Jesus to increase their faith. They had because that's the reason I say we need to get filled with power over and over again. Is because that's what happened to us. You know, we, we explain it like you got a bucket that's full and you pull the spirit and somebody dropped the hole in it and started leaking it. You say, it's just lower and lower, so you need to fill it back up. Well, it don't never stop leaking. That's the problem. And we all got leaky buckets. We, all, we live in leaky buckets. We certainly do. Because we live in a fallen world. And we're redeemed, but we're still in the fallen world. And we still have our flesh. And we still have our own spirit. And we are still sinners. And that's what people can't comprehend. And, and, and so that's why we never need to give an air of righteousness over another person. Because we're all sinners. We're all in that same boat. And so he, he says this and, and says that. And look at how much time goes by. Eight days. Eight days. Now Jesus shows up on, on Sunday. And he don't show up again till next Monday. Think about that. Now, now, what do you think they've had time? No wonder he needed to blow some spirit on them. <laughs> think about that. He ain't showed up again for eight days. And then it said eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas was with them. And Jesus, then came Jesus. Now, look at here it is again. The doors are shut. And he just shows up right in the midst of them. He don't say a word. Well, he does. He says, peace be unto you, just like he did before, because that always startles them when he do that, or the angels or anybody did that. And he went straight to Thomas. Now, there's a lot of people can say, well, some of them other disciples went and found him, and they told him what Thomas said. you believe that? I mean, you know, if he had the power to just appear in a room, <laughs> I got a feeling he knew what was going on under you. Mm -hmm. Amen. I, I have a feeling. You know, a lot of people think, and, and I find myself guilty of this, 
I'll think of something that I, I want to do that I know I don't need to do. Your, your, your preacher confesses a lot in here. You know that, don't you? <laughs> or not do what you need to do. Y'all are going to be with me in this. You're, you're fixing to do something that you know the Lord wouldn't approve of. You're fixing to do it. How many of you take the moment and say, he's right here with me. I can't do that. We never do that, do we? No, I think about what she said. Every time you think about that, then you need to forgive them. Uh And then the Holy Spirit's dealing with you because you're thinking, I don't need to do this. I need to say something. And and you're saying, yeah, I need to do this because I want to. That's willful sin, by the way. And we override the Spirit telling us not to do that. Am I the only one in this room? Now, listen to this. We don't need to be making fun of this. It's a serious thing. And yet we all do it. And we don't need to take comfort in that. It's not an excuse. It's a fact that we all do this. And then when we do what the Spirit's been trying to get us not to do, what happens? The Spirit changes His attitude toward you. And instead of trying to pick you on the shoulder, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do this, you don't need to do this, He changes His old attitude and He grabs your little old spirit in there that's gotten haughty and he, and he makes you feel awful that you just did that. And He reminds you that Jesus Christ is with you. He never left you. He just seen what you did or heard what you just said. That bugs me when that happens. And I've been trying my best. I don't know about that. I try my best to think about that before I go ahead and do what I'm thinking I want to do. I know what my wife's in there. What have you been doing? Well, I'm the only one who's on the toes. <laughs> no, no, I don't. Yeah, yeah, but I don't figure I'm alone. I figure every man and woman in this room experiences this very thing I'm talking Amen. about. And we don't like to talk about it because we don't admit, want to admit we're weak. But we all are weak. That's why we need to stay strong. That's why we need to stay full. Amen? And a lot of times you can have a beautiful service. You can have a People come to the altars and people join the church. You might and a fight break out before you get back to the house after you've experienced that. Or a fight break out in the church after a service like that. Or that's like when we're in service and we go head home and then he gets road rage. (laughs) (laughs) When things are going great, that's the devil wants to put it, get his foot there. He's got to get a foothold again. Well, listen, these are reminders of our great need for Jesus. They're reminders that, that no matter how good things are, we've got to keep our guard up. We got, we got, it's something that don't just happen here. We've got to keep that guard up out there, too. And that's the hard part, is, is going out past that driveway right there and getting out in the street and keeping that same attitude toward Christ. That's preaching a driving sermon. <laughs> <laughs> a hellfire and brimstone sermon to another driver, huh? Okay, we, we don't need to go there. And so Jesus appears in the room, says, Peace be in you, and walks right straight up to Thomas. And what does he say? He, he told him to do exactly what he said it was going to take to make him believe. He Put your finger. He don't say that to the rest of them. He just showed it to them. He said to him, he said, unless I put my finger there, I ain't going to believe. So he said, put your finger here. Do you think that messed Thomas up? (laughs) Lord messes me up all the time like that. But anyway, he says, uh, reach hither thy finger and behold my hand and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not faithless. He needed some faith. Mm-hmm. He needed some faith. Yeah. He needed to believe. He wanted to, but he had to be shown. That's a reassurance. So he said, but believe him. Do you think less of Thomas for this? 
You know, a lot of people say we're not to ask for a sign, but it talks about an evil, adulterous generation that asks for the sign. What about somebody that's not evil or adulterous? You think God minds us if we ask Him for a sign? A lot of people don't think that. A lot of people think because of what the Scripture says about only an evil and adulterous generation asks for a sign that it's evil for anybody to ask for a sign. And you think, and they, you think about Gideon. They said, well, Gideon was faithless. Thomas was faithless. Jesus told him he was faithless. But let me tell you what he did accomplish. He got what he was looking for. Amen? And so my opinion on that is it's better to throw out a fleece and do it right with God than to think you've got it right with God and don't throw out a fleece and do wrong with God. And I think God knows the heart. And, to, and just because you ask for a sign don't mean you're evil and an adulterer. Okay? So I, that's just my two cents worth. And so if you anyway, ask for a sign, you've got to be smart enough to see the sign. Well, because I've, I've been in a situation where I'd be talking with somebody trying to help them or, or helping them, and and I can't help them. And I say, that's okay. The Lord will take care of it. Well, the Lord taking care of it by by saying, "I'm here to help you to to take care of it," and then they don't want your your help. Right. Yeah, that happens a lot. A lot of times, people don't want your help. And and then they'll say that the Lord will take care of it, but they're not even seeing. Be aware that uh, that he, he's trying to help you. Yeah, well, they're kind of like that guy that was on top of the house in the flood. Y'all all heard this story, and he was praying to God to deliver me from this flood. And this you know, the guy pulls up and boats, man, I'm in. I'm waiting on God. And he, and the helicopter comes over and lets that man out, and I'm waiting on God. Yeah, that's the same. Then he drowns in the flood, and he gets before God, and he says, why didn't you help me? I said, I'm both in the helicopter, and you wouldn't take it. You know, think about that. And so that's what you're talking about here. Yeah. Here, though, he's laying out a specific thing he wants from God before he'll believe what God's doing. Okay? And so when, when he says this, Thomas answered, and, and when Thomas looked at that, man, what did he do? He started to worship that, my Lord and my God. And he was sincere. And Jesus says a statement that we all need to listen to. Thomas, because thou hast seen, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet they believe. He's talking about us. That's who Jesus is talking about. He's talking about everybody. After he resurrects, after he ascends in glory, and, and, and he's not going to be seen anymore. Blessed are those who do not see me like you did. And they believe. Blessed. That takes faith. And so he did many other signs. John makes a remark that, uh, that uh, if all of them was written, the books, uh, there wouldn't be enough books in the world. Uh, said uh, Jesus in the presence of disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and believing you might have life through his name. So John says, I just I just put I didn't put all the miracles in there, but I put enough that I think you need. Huh? I could have left that scripture. Huh? I, say, I mean they tell you that there's other things that God done that we can't do. Well the other the other gospels that already been written and they mentioned John only mentions two two things that the other gospels mention. Kind of wonder what, what did he do during that time? No, it's uh, it's past time. It's, we need to go ahead. Any any questions or comments about this? This this is a good study, and uh, we're fixing to get into uh, Mark did for closing Bible. Um, chapter twenty one is the last chapter, so I'm still praying about what uh, what I want to do. Uh, that will be. Uh, we won't have Sunday night service. No, we won't have Wednesday night service next week before Thanksgiving Day. Uh, no, there'll be no Wednesday night service uh, okay. next Wednesday. Thanksgiving. So it'll be the last week of the month. So what time will that be? 29th. And we also won't have a night service uh, after our meal uh, this Sunday. So we're going to miss this next Wednesday night. 
We'll miss this Sunday night and next Wednesday night. That's we now I'll announce that uh, in church Sunday morning. And uh, and several people ask me about that because we normally do that. I heard a fellow thought of heard years ago. Fellow said he knew where Thomas was from. He came from the state of Missouri. The show me state. <laughs> now, that, now that's rough. <laughs> well, we're getting close to ending up the book of John. Have you got any plans on what? I'm still praying about it. Uh, what I want to. Well, just let's think about revelations. Well, we're in, doing. We're in revelation. Oh, you're talking about Wednesday and Sunday? Both of them. Well, it's tough on me to try to figure and study. John and figure and study Revelation. Now, if you just got the Revelations, well, you can read that two or three times or two or three more times. Yeah. Now, I'm just throwing that out there because of what the, I'll, I'll tell you what what the church I wants to do. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what I could do. Since we're studying Revelation, I've been bouncing this around about. And, and I've been trying to get a you know confirmation that this will be okay with the Lord, but uh, I've been trying to. You know, I told y'all that I'd like to go in the Old Testament and see the Old Testament prophecies about what we're studying in Revelation, and I may go ahead and, and begin that, and we can we can go back into the Old Testament on Wednesday night and see what we've already been studying in Revelation to bring more light to it and where it came from. And uh, those, everything written in Revelation, almost everything is prophesied about in the Old Testament by the prophets. And, and some of it is prophesied by more than one prophet. And uh, if y'all like, I could work on that. It will take me a, little, a lot of studying to get there. But, uh, we, we can do that if y'all like. We'll just have to put you on the prayer list. <laughs> you better. Be. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, y'all saw tonight that one verse there just ate me up because I couldn't, I never did, I still don't have a grasp on that verse about him breathing. Well, if, if you do, think about us. And uh, so, and, and so I know that there's a lot of things in the scripture we just ain't going nuts. And there's a lot of things we have an idea about and we think that may or may not be right. How many of you, before we start Revelation, believe that once you die and go to heaven, you don't remember the place anymore? There's a lot of things. That wasn't you mean, there's just multiple things. We saw right off the bat in Revelation, those people won't know, Lord, when you're going to take vengeance for us. They remembered what happened to them. And, and so we got to remember that that only takes place when we go into the new heaven and the new earth before we lose memory of this place. Okay? And that the new heaven and the new earth comes after all that. At the very end of it, we'll, we'll get into it and study it. Anyway, so there's a lot of things that we, we got these ideas that we've been taught by parents or grandparents or somebody that, and I'm not saying that they, they you know, they, they deceived you, but there's a, a lot of things that I myself thought I knew that turned out I didn't really know. And uh, that's, still going, that's still going forward <laughs> to even now. And I don't think any of us is smart enough to know all this. I don't think we are. And most of it is just opinion and all that. I, the one thing I hate is, is when he said this about blessed are those who, who don't see and they believe. Yeah. These people that spend their whole entire life trying to prove this is true, this annoying me to no end. I don't even I don't listen to their stuff. I don't need that because I have faith. Yeah. Amen. I have faith in the Word of God. These people keep trying to change the Word of God because it ain't good enough. Them people, I, I fear for their soul salvation. I really do. I mean, the Bible tells me that this book is forever settled in heaven. Mm -hmm. It says you don't add or detract. We don't get to change it. And that's what we see going on right now. Anyway, I could, I could preach a sermon now about anti, but I ain't going to. I listened to uh, Jonathan Kahn today. Y'all know who he is? He's a Jewish rabbi that's a Christian. And my goodness, that guy, because he knows the Old Testament, he knows it so well, and he just sees everything going on, and he just says, he says, I can just see it coming to life. He said, I see it happening in America. I see what's turning America when the scripture says that all nations are going to be gathered against Israel. He said, I can see it happening. 
I can see it happening. Wow. Anyway, love y'all. We can stand. Brother Jim, would you dismiss it, please?